This is Nadia from the Relativity Podcast and you're listening to Discussing Who. This episode of Discussing Who was originally recorded in the fall of 2022, prior to the airing of The Power of the Doctor. It features the ever-amazing Nicole from the Terminus Doctor Who podcast, as well as we are reviewing The Curse of Fenric. Why is it just now being presented? Well, that's my fault. A little bit of editing delay on my end, so not a spoiler warning. So, as always, thank you for joining us. Just going to get started. Enjoy. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I'm Kyle Jones, and for the first time since September 2021, in episode number 250, Nicole from Terminus Podcast, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I've risen up from the water like one of the hemovores, <laughs> and I'm back. Did you get three-inch nails in the process? Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, duh, obviously, yeah. you get like a, a, a manicure, <laughs> a water manicure. You know, you know, water has a tendency to like make your fingernails grow exponential, whatever mm-hmm. the word is. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. But I always just say, I love saying, welcome back, Clarence Brown. Mr. Brown, how are you? Doing well, man. No complaints. But speaking of water... I've heard through the news and various other channels that you may be swimming in it over in Jackson, Mississippi. Well, considering the fact as of this recording, luckily I'm above Jackson, (laughs) Mississippi, meaning in Ridgeland, unfortunately, the people in Jackson, Mississippi are limited to no water because the water plant evidently collapsed. Oh my God. Not like the building collapsed, but the infrastructure kind of collapsed ish mm. maybe, because it's kind of like been a little bit of back and forth of did it, did it not, did it, did it not. But uh, yes, so Clarence, you got out of Dodge oh, yeah. in time. Wow. You know who is not in Dodge because they're somewhere else that is not in Dodge? <laughs> How is that for a random oh, intro, Lee Shackleford? They just get weirder and weirder. <laughs> Uh, that's good. What? You should be like, I'm totally in Dodge. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you mean? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm here. That's, that's really about all I can say. I've had some, some, some health problems and I'm being, re- Ooh, being revisited with some of them. Yeah. I, th- I think this has not been a good year for me or Nicole. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But uh, Well, I hope you both can dodge whatever that is. Mm. Let's hope so. I'm on a roll. I can't have it. I mean, I can't help it because I'm so happy to have all three of you on here. And I have been editing like a marathon editing of our last three episodes. So literally, Lee, whenever I say you have been in my head, <laughs> yeah. I've heard your voice. I literally, within the last 30 minutes, have been listening to you and Clarence's voice. So That's right. this is just a continuation. You know, uh, we were... You had both commented when you were watching the video of uh, the World Games that this that it is odd 
to say, oh, I know that. I know that voice. I know that guy. That's a friend of mine. I know him. Uh, and I would do the same thing uh, when I was editing Relativity. Sometimes it was just a day of listening to Clarence's voice. And then we'd do a discussing who. And I'd go like, oh, that's him. <laughs> well, of course it is. Oh, <laughs> please forgive me for that. Just... Please forgive me. <laughs> And then you start hearing it in your sleep. Exactly. You start dreaming sleep. about it. It's a yeah. whole day of Clarence. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have both of your voices in my head, you know, just FYI. But, Nicole, I have to ask you, I mean, I'm going to contain this little tangent here, but uh -oh. since we haven't talked to you lately on the show since then, and I know you are not a big RTD fan, but I'm just curious if the recent casting news and all the things that's going on with the 14th Doctor, just give us a summary view of how you're feeling going in to the end of the Chibnall era and into a new era of Doctor Who with the 14th Doctor. Oh, okay. Uh, no pressure. Um, this is kind of like just a minute with, uh, you know, uh, Nicholas Parsons or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, okay. I am, I am pleased that we are ending the Chibnall era. I hate to say that, but it just didn't work for me personally, you know. Um, I'm glad it did for some people, but not for me. Um, I am nervous about Russell because his version of Doctor Who didn't always gel with me, but at least he made me feel things, even if it was sometimes like hate or <laughs> anger or whatever, whereas Chibnall is just basically apathy for the most part. So, you know, I'm I'm interested in seeing that. Um, I am definitely interested in uh, Chudigatwa. He seems like pretty cool. Uh Russell has not always had the best track record with writing people of color. I'm hoping that some someone will be in his writing room that's going to kind of help with that. Or maybe he's grown. You know, maybe he's gotten better. But uh, so I'm not super, I'm a little nervous about that. But, you know, we'll, we'll get there. And I'm definitely curious about David Tennant and Catherine Tate and what's going on with them. I'm a little nervous that... David Tennant is playing Handy from the alt first, because I'd rather not think about him with Rose. So, you know, if we can just not talk about them, that's good. Um, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Curious about Neil Patrick Harris. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, honestly, I haven't been focusing too much on it, because I know if I start to think too much about it, I'm going to get like disappointed because I'm going to be thinking of all the things I want. And instead it's just kind of like just sitting back and saying, okay, show me what you're going to show me. Okay. Oh, and definitely interested in Ace coming back and Tegan, of course. Well, you know, you just gave us a perfect segue into why we're all for here talking tonight is we wanted to since as of this recording, the special the last story for the 13th doctor is coming up in october not sure exactly what october date it will be but sometime in october and ace is returning as we said in our last episode 
So that's why we're here tonight. We want to review an ACE episode. We've already done Remembrance of the Daleks, and we reached out to you because we know you're an ACE fan, and you named The Curse of Fenric as one of your yep. favorites. Yeah, it's actually my favorite of all of Classic Who. Wow. Interesting. So, yep. So, yep. So for everyone listening, if you have not seen The Curse of Fenric, Put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers? Well, spoilers. And I killed Sparky, too. Alrighty, and Nicole, <laughs> I'm going to start with you. Summary view. What did you think of this episode? Because I think you just told us, but elaborate <laughs> a little bit. Summary view. Well, as I said, this is definitely my favorite story of the classic series. And that's, it's mostly because there's so many layers to it that I feel like I kind of get something new out of it every time I watch it. I mean, there's like great stuff about like mythology, like Norse mythology, about faith and losing faith and gaining faith, about sexuality, about growing up, and all of it's just entwined in this great little story. And I just think it's a great character piece for uh, Ace as well as the Doctor. So I just, I just love it. All right, Lee Shackelford, what say ye? Um, I've been real curious to to have this conversation because I knew that from other conversations we've had, this is Nicole's favorite, and it's just never been one of mine. And so I'm uh, I'm hoping to learn something, hoping to to, to get woke because. Um, Are we gonna fight? It's gonna be great. Are we gonna fight? No, no, because I, I don't a, I don't have any. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Exactly. Me too. I just yeah. I I, I just I'd rather you know, like I said, keep keep my ears and mind open and, 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 and learn something because I, I feel like I have probably been comfortable in um, experiencing the show on a superficial level uh, throughout, you know, all the time up until, up until uh, the sixth doctor. And then there's the, you know, there's a change of hands we have John Nathan Turner and, and these massive budget cuts and so the, the show becomes very much about the script in a way even more than it had been, you know, from the beginning. And, and I feel like sometimes the writing gets very, not self-indulgent, but just a little... Um, it's very cerebral. Uh, op I was going to say opaque, but yeah. Well, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Cerebral at its best, opaque perhaps at its worst. But yeah, it, it sort of yeah. runs that... Yeah, it does ask you to think a lot, and sometimes I, 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 I'm glad that I'm not watching it live as the original audience did because I love being able to back up and say, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, I will say as a quick aside, yeah. like I always talk about this on my podcast to the point that I have a Curse of Fenric alarm, you know, for every time I mention it, <laughs> but. Um, I have had people that listen to my show come back to me and say, hey, I watched it. I, I don't really know. And I'm like, this isn't a story you need to watch multiple times. Mm -hmm. And I kind of don't – in some ways, I don't like that about it because it can put people off with the first time. But it just – I feel like it's it, it's definitely good for rewatches. 
Mm. See, if that makes any sense. See, already you guys are intriguing me, but I have to ask Clarence some review. What say you? I think those layers that Nicole mentioned is the thing that ultimately leaves me confused about this episode. Uh, Honestly, I, I, I'm so confused about who the actual enemy is. And, and of course, it's Shinrick, but there's so many other nuggets in there um, that kind of make up the the this story, uh, even the Russians. Um, yeah, so that part ultimately leaves me confused, and I did not like it at all. But, but, wow. but the oh man, the ace the the last five minutes of part four, last eight minutes of part four. I just kind of perked up and like, what? Huh? <laughs> huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, so as, as you mentioned, Nicole, it made me actually scrub back through the whole episode and just get the ace parts, you know? <laughs> and, Ooh. and with that, yeah. you know, uh, knowing what the cause and effect of, of, of what's going on there, it does make it a bit more intriguing. I, I actually like that part, but the other parts, it, uh, help me out on those. <laughs> now, did you guys watch the special edition or did you watch the aired version? Because I actually rewatched the aired version for this, which I hadn't watched in like a decade. But I wanted to experience it like you guys are experiencing oh, yeah. it. So I am ninety nine percent sure that what I have is the aired version. Yeah, that's more common. Uh, the special edition actually reworks some mm. of the plot, like they re-edit it and make it flow a little better. Like Andrew Cartmel actually is the one who told me about it, and he was like, "You need to watch this version because it makes more sense." Mm. So, see, that's where I think I want to come in as. You know, I watched the version that was on BritBox, which I'm pretty sure is the original version not this yeah, you know probably. reworked uh version that being said the problem that i had and I, i'm going to second what clarence said about the ending which my brain just perked up but it f- it felt like the way that it was being presented was m- there was almost like several different story elements going on at one time m- all of which would probably have been something I would have been interested in, but because of the way they were bouncing back and forth and my ADD brain was going, huh, what, 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 you know, it it was hard for me to keep up. But then whenever I started seeing the ending and, and then I started remembering some things about what we would find out about Ace, I was like, oh, and then that kind of piqued my interest a little bit more. All of that said, Lee, I remember something that you commented at some point in our podcasting career to me when I was complaining about the JNT era and the way it looked. And I was saying, I think that I couldn't connect with the entire era, especially in the latter part of Sixth Doctor and into this era. And you made the comment, and I'm going to paraphrase here, they were doing the best they could with what they had considering budget cut after budget cut. They were constantly on the block and they were making this with you know, the threat of cancellation hanging over them every minute. 
Am I am I remembering this correctly? Oh sure. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. I mean, I know uh Ian Briggs who wrote this was saying that they were in such a hurry to make it. I think they made it mm-hmm. in like ten days. And they couldn't do some retakes. He's like, you can see parts where the actors are straining for the word a little bit, but they didn't have a time to to do a retake. So they just were like, okay, let's just move on. Yeah, they, and some so of the it's action not sequences I noticed, it seemed like the timing is off. And I thought, wow, they went with the one the one take they had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they also had really inclement weather. It wasn't just the rain. They had some snow and they had all this stuff going on that just kept interfering with everything. So Sylvester ad-libs something about how Fenric is messing with them, even the weather. Yeah, even the weather, yeah. So Nicole, briefly, just walk us through for everyone listening. Tell us in layman's terms, Reader's Digest condensed version, (laughs) Curse of Fenric, tell us what is it about? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So ultimately, there is this, there is this great evil, this old one. Uh, He's called Fenric by Millington, but he's basically this old evil from the dawn of time. And he's interacted with the doctor a few times. And the doctor even like defeated him in the past. So he's, he's got some beef with the doctor, but yeah, that's off screen. Um, they kind of touch on it more in the novel, but obviously, I mean, you don't have to read the novel. But um, he is trying to come back, and the way he's doing it is he's using these Vikings that have stolen this treasure that I think is connected uh, as far as the essence of Fenric in some way. And so there's this big play about uh, Fenric is really into the idea of games and chess, and it all it is all like a chessboard. He's getting all these players on the board, and they're all um, descendants of these people that are associated with him with within the curse. So it's all the uh, like Ace's family, Soren, Captain Soren's family, Millington's family. All of these people are all pawns to kind of resurrect himself and get back to he wants to come back into the world and he needs a body so he's going to come back through dr or professor Jud- judson i don't know why i'm just totally forgetting his yeah, name judson. uh who, who's basically like uh alan turing yeah. he's meant to be alan turing um and and that's a whole thing like he has an ex his ex is uh, Millington from school, and actually Millington is the one who put him in the wheelchair because he was flirting with another boy. It's a whole weird backstory there, but um, but yeah, it's it's just uh, it, within that there's a whole thing about faith and people having faith and people losing faith. Um, my favorite character is Reverend Wainwright and just him going through his whole, where he's losing faith because of the British people are killing these children and he can't understand, like, like he has that whole bit about, you know, St. Paul's letter, you know, when I was a child, I spake as a child. He, he has a thing about, like, how can he have love if he doesn't have faith or hope anymore? You know, he's he's really struggling with faith. Of course, there's, you know, the the 
soldiers, the Soviet soldiers, and their faith in the revolution and the doctor's faith in his companions. He actually prays to his companions. He like says their names at one point to get the the hemovores to go away. And of course, Ace's faith. So I feel like that's actually kind of more important in the story. The The whole thing with uh, the baddie coming back and all that, that's something, but it's more, I feel like it's more about what it's putting these people through. And that's, again, it's like their faith, they're growing up, there's a whole thing with the water and sexuality, and uh, there's just, it's it's putting people through a big catharsis. And, but using, like, the story of Ragnarok as the setting for that. That probably makes no sense. It's it's kind of hard to distill into like a what is this about because it's there's a lot of stories going on at once. All right, so let me ask this question before I pass it over to Lee with a question I have for him. You said that the special edition reframes the story. What do you say was the biggest reframing? element that you saw or that you can recall from the special edition? Well, uh, I mean, some of it's just like they worked with the music and stuff, but some things are like they made the story flow a little better. Like you get more of a sense of, you know, the, the Soviet soldiers coming there and their fears about the water and their stuff with the water. And it's just, it's more a flow thing. Um, the aired version kind of jumps back and forth between like, this is happening, this is happening, this is that. And it's very frenetic. And I didn't really have an issue with that because I know the story. But I can imagine if you don't know what's going on, you're like, <laughs> what is happening? And um, because they're kind of showing so many things are going on at once. But with the reframing, which is kind of basically like a, a director's cut for all intents and purposes, they kind of change it to where, like, let's focus more on what's going on here and over here. And um, it's it's kind of subtle, but it actually also adds, I think it's like 12 new, uh, 12 minutes of new material that kind of just give it more breathing room. Because that's the other thing. It's going yeah. really fast. So you don't really have a, a the time to kind of, sit with it and digest like what is what is even <laughs> happening here these people are spouting like this guy's talking about the great battle of the gods which is ragnarok but they didn't want to say ragnarok because of greatest show in the galaxy and all that but you know there's all this and he's talking about the great ash which is like the sacred tree of norse mythology so there's all this norse mythology stuff going on but millington just sounds like a crazy person <laughs> he doesn't make any sense and you know there's there's just all these levels going on, and I think they just crammed it too full. Um, but they were overrunning. Apparently, they they actually usually would underrun, but they were overrunning, so they cut a lot when it went to air. And so, like I said, they kind of just – it's not so much they added a lot of stuff. I feel like they just added more breathing room. And resorted it a little bit. All right. If that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. So, Lee, I have a question for you. You know, you know, we have made reference to John Nathan Turner. We, or I mentioned John Nathan Turner, who was the producer showrunner at the time. We've also made reference in this episode of 
and now I can't remember, and, and I was just going to say I couldn't remember his name, Andrew Cartmill, mm-hmm. who was the script ed- editor. Yeah. Briefly, briefly, Lee, tell us the difference between or what exactly is a script editor as opposed to the showrunner or executive producer. Nicole and I both have the pleasure of being friends with Andrew Cartmill, so um, yes. we get to uh, go to the source. But generally speaking, a, a script editor is equal to head writer. And, and what that often means, um, well, that's basically what Gene Roddenberry was doing too. And a lot of the writers who worked for um, Star Trek, the original series, well, and Next Generation too in the beginning – they they didn't like the fact that as executive producer he was also script editor <laughs> because yeah. they would write something and then it would disappear for a while and then he'd come back and it would be Gene Ruddenberry effied and uh it would be very different. But what he was doing was he was creating a consistency. So it's it's your job as the script as the script editor to make sure that every episode fits in that that it's a proper episode of Doctor Who, you know? Uh, that that's one writer may write something that's a lovely fantasy or a great piece of science fiction. It's just not Doctor Who, you know? Right. So it was Cartmel's job to, to, A, to say to people, that's lovely. We can't afford it. So what else can we do? Or if they're not there, okay, we can't afford that. So what else can we do? <laughs> and then to change it himself. Um but but also just to say, yeah, but these characters really wouldn't do that. So instead, we're going to have them say this, you know. My understanding, yeah, I've, heard- I was been one, I've been wanting to ask Nicole about this. In this episode, there's this thing where an, uh, Ace is going to distract the guard. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And if I understand, and the doctor said, you know, well, what are you going to do? And my understanding is that in the script, she says, doctor, I'm not a virgin. And yeah, there's, somebody, there's something about that. Well, I always wondered: is it is it Andrew? Is it somebody else who said, "Ace, um, no, it's it's still tea time." No, I can't remember because I know there was a lot of like obviously, as I said, the the sexual stuff got really kind of <laughs> walked back, yeah. like with you know the homosexuality of the two male characters, Ace's sexuality, the two girls in the water. Yeah. Apparently the older woman, Janet Henfrey's character, she is alone because she was sexual when she was young at Maiden's Point. So there's like all these little things. And it was probably Andrew. I mean, he's pretty edgy. I mean, he was pretty young, but it's like you have to kind of walk that a little back. Um, I'm pretty sure it's in the novel. It says that she lost her virginity to Sabalon Glitz. Which <laughs> of is, course. Okay. <laughs> but um yeah, uh yeah, the interesting thing about uh Kyle's question is nowadays we think of the producer as the showrunner, but back in the day in Doctor Who it really wasn't like that. And especially in JNT's era, JNT was really he was the producer in the sense that I'm gonna get you the money and you know, basically make the the big decisions. But as far as the plot lines, that was Andrew. Andrew was like, uh, I hire the writers. I basically have a writer's room. We sit around. We talk about what we're going to do and how we're going to make it all work. And he was basically running the story part of it. Now, obviously, you know, sometimes uh, J&T would come in and be like, I want some stunt casting. Can you get this famous person in or something? But for the most part, 
Andrew did the story part of it. So, but now, you know, uh, as far as like modern era script editors, we had like uh, Gary Russell was a script editor for a while. He just basically just did editing. Like he didn't do any big story changes. He was just kind of an editor. So it's it's really kind of changed its form since the classic series. Mm. So speaking of changing form, Clarence, I have a question for you. We reviewed the Time of the Ronnie, and we've done the Remembrance of the Daleks with the Seventh Doctor. And I recall, especially Time in the Ronnie, we're talking about how this Seventh Doctor was very clownish and very almost impish, in my opinion. How would you characterize this Seventh Doctor that we saw? Is he the same? Is he different? And if different, how so? I feel so? like he's a bit more serious in this story. I think the only part that he that I really laughed on is when he was, uh, I think, wooing at the baby. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. But other than that, I think he was uh, a lot more serious than I remember him. Uh, what about you? I thought so too. And Lee, what about you? What did you what did, what did you think? Yeah, this is the the year of the of the Dark Doctor that uh, he, he takes this turn, and um, yeah, very interesting. Always very interesting. And I've never quite known what I thought about that. I, I rather like the, uh, the time in the Ronnie Doctor, <laughs> but um, but he is not without wit in this episode, and and you think about the uh, the cruel trick that he has to play on Ace before this story is oh, over. Oh God! Uh, I'm not sure the previous version of that character could have done that, and I, I don't I don't think I would have bought it. So it's it allows them to do things that they hadn't done before. So let me ask you guys this question. Is this example and what we're talking about, the interaction between Ace, interaction between the Doctor, this adult content, even though it is tea time, is this in many ways possibly a precursor, testing the waters per se, of what would become New Who? Oh, definitely. I mean, this is the first time we've really started to push deeply into the inner life of the companion. And especially season 26 is all about that. You've got like the doctor trying to get Ace to face her fears, trying to get her to, and not like he's trying to get her to grow up, but trying to foster her through her experience and, um, mentor her but I mean, he's not always the the nicest mentor but I, I don't know i am i'm biased he's my doctor so <laughs> it's it's hard for me to you know say bad things but yeah lee let me ask you this from a writing perspective is ace a revolutionary character and i'm not saying she isn't but just for the sake of my question is she a revolutionary character in the concept of Doctor Who, or is she simply a character of her time, as was Susan in 1963, as Sarah Jane was in the 70s? Is she just the progression of time, or is she revolutionary? What do you think? Uh, yes. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it, it, it's time... 
uh, in in TV history for there to be a character like Ace, but not everybody, uh, not all depictions have kept up with that. With that, so I uh, really appreciate the fact that um, we've just been talking about how cruel a Peter Capaldi's Doctor can be sometimes, the, uh, as written. Um, this Doctor, uh, in the, like in this story, he's he's often telling her to shut up and stay out of the way, and she seems to have accepted that that's just his way, but she doesn't like it. And she, she's always willing to, to fight back with him. You know, it's very close to him saying, shut up. And she says, you shut up. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, she's just very much her own person. And she is a teenager. Mm-hmm. We get that. Um, so she respects the fact that he's grown up, you know, she's just her own person. Everybody, everybody in the whole world calls him doctor. So she's going to call him professor. Right. <laughs> there. It's, it's funny for me. Uh, with Ace, I can almost, you know, my first time even seeing her, I almost certainly just placed her in the 80s. And and maybe because I grew up in the 80s, I don't know. But if I think of the other companions, I can kind of all lump them in the same time more or less, you know, before this. And even in New Who, you can kind of lump those together. But to me, she's like distinctly the '80s, and kind of, kind of, just a little bit different. That's a great observation. I think. Yeah, the others are sort of sixty, seventy, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and then there's Ace. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. For me, like when mm. I first watched her, uh, I was like a sixteen-year-old punk, and she's like a sixteen-year-old punk. I mean, I think <laughs> she's sixteen and kind of punk. You know, she's like the sort of neutered version of BBC punk, but she. Yeah. Um, I just was like, wow, this is one of the first companions. It's kind of like me in a way. I mean, she's way more badass. I mean, I love that she just pulls the ladder out of her backpack. I mean, just, I'm like, of course she has the ladder. Of course she does. You know, I mean, she, she can do. And there's still room for some high explosives. Exactly. Which, you know, rattling around with the metal is probably a bad idea, but she just, she just can take care of herself. It's, it's pretty amazing. So speaking of taking care of herself, let's let's round out the talk on Ace. And I'm curious as, you know, we don't know what is going to happen in this special that's coming up. But Nicole, I'll let you go first with this again, because this is your favorite episode. If you could write a story for Ace of saying where she's been, what is she doing? What would you like her to be doing had, you know, or when we see her in the 60th? I mean, in this, what would you like to see her doing or what's her position or whatever the case may be when we see her in this upcoming special? Uh, That's an interesting question. I know that there was, uh, I want to say it was in Sarah Jane Adventures that said that she was running ACE, a charitable earth. And I remember uh, <laughs> Sophie was at uh, Timegate. It was still called Timegate, Hulanta. And she was like, I don't know about that. I mean, that's probably just a cover for her doing some badass stuff behind the scenes. And, <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel. Like, I don't really see her in just a traditional office job or anything. I could see that being a cover. And I could see her being a bit, still a bit of an activist. I mean, she always had this sort of activist, very lefty side, you know. So uh, most of that was Andrew Cartmel, but you know, this kind of side to her. And I could see her just kind of 
maybe doing almost like in a Sarah Jane Adventures kind of way, like dealing with alien threats, but in a kind of more, uh, like not, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to fight the aliens. It's more like dealing with, uh, taking care of them kind of behind the scenes, I guess. Um, I don't know how to explain that. It's like, she's not like right out there directly fighting the aliens, but she's like helping set up technology and different things to, to kind of keep them in check. Maybe like working with unit or something. She's the kind of person who would go to bat. For you. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Clarence, what would you like to see her? You know, would you like her to be a part of unit or no, what? Definitely not unit. I'm tired of unit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see the working behind the scenes thing. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it would be as, as active, but definitely like, like Nicole mentioned, maybe pulling the strings um, in the shadows, possibly. I know we had that book that actually Sophia wrote that came out. Wasn't it a thirteenth, the thirteenth Doctor? I think it was. I still need to read that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. She she may tell all. Yeah. yeah. And I think it it was that book named A Charitable Earth. Was it? I, it had A C E in the name. Stood for something. Yeah. Um, Gosh, now I can't remember, I can't remember either. Oh, uh, maybe yeah. So I want to. So let's move on. I want to ask a question about the overall thing. So that book just like totally uh, <laughs> destroyed my flow. Cause now, now I want to know what the name of it is. Her book All is right. called at childhood's end. Oh, at childhood's end. Ooh, yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because in, in many ways that was, cause you know, we keep going back to how the doctor's travels changes you. Right. And, you know, I want to, bring up something you know we talked about the end and i want to go to this ending real quick but we talk about the way that the doctor with capaldi and then you know how he related to clara as well as you know this with ace one other thing that i picked up on was we've got the uh fenric character who has been pulling strings behind the scene that put Ace in positions that would bring her in contact with the doctor. So basically puts the two of them together, a la the woman in the shop who put Clara and the doctor together. That's one of the parts of the episode that really had me confused. Like, to what to what end <laughs> and how did he actually pull strings and what purpose did it actually serve of course we know her grandmother was working for him that's part of it i guess but like to what end i don't i guess i'm just totally losing it there well i think he says uh something about like he had a hand in creating the time storm that she created in the classroom that brought her to ice world in the first place which is where she ends right. up meeting the doctor uh cuz she's an earth girl 
you know, from the 80s, and she ends up on this other planet, which is when the doctor first meets her. And she supposedly, in her chemistry lab, created a time storm, whatever that is. Uh, that's why she's called Dorothy, is her name. Uh, you know, <laughs> little yes. little known fact about her. She's called Dorothy. Um, and she, you know, the storm took her to another world. And I think Fenric may have had something to do with that. So but Fenric is a time traveler, too? I- He's a god of some sort. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Because the doctor talks about the, it talks about the future. Yeah, and and there's a timeline where Fenric is successful. Yeah, and there's even, I mean, the old one or whatever. The the yeah. uh, he is from the future. He is the That's last right. human I'm who, so because everyone has died from to- the so, toxic yeah. stuff. Everybody's time travelers. In this. Yeah, so confused, just, yeah. man. I don't know just, what's going. On. Just exactly <laughs> because Doctor yeah. Who. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but it it is. I think I think you have to say we all have to agree that this this story has got an extra level of confusion, just because there's so many characters who are time travelers and. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's just hard to keep the chronology straight in things. It's wait wait a minute. But we do know that what happened in the Curse of Fenric evidently prevented that future because if that was the last human he was erased from existence because we know the last human was Cassandra <laughs> it's moisturized and we also me. know well, that he was supposed to that's Cassandra's story anyway yeah and he was supposed <laughs> to plant the toxin in the water to cause all this and he didn't do that yeah. so he kind of like broke his own future all right so we have complained on this show about Sometimes, especially in the Chibnall era, that the environmental message was over the top, hitting you across the head, and then making you look at it again because it was so over the top. Was the environmental message here over the top? I personally don't think it was, but I'm curious as to what you guys think. I mean, I, I it was very 80s to me in that way. I mean, we were first starting to talk about, like, the oceans being a bit, you know, having issues with plastics and all the stuff we talk about now. But right then it was still kind of not in the common conversation. So I, I a little bit I give it a pass because it was kind of a weird thing at that point where now it's kind of our normal, unfortunately. We are in that future now. Yeah. All right, Clarence, I want to ask you a question. I want to go to the end of the story. And and Clarence, you said that your ears perked up and you started really getting involved in the last six to eight minutes. What about that piqued your interest? I I mean, I I love clever time stuff. That's why I come to Doctor Who. Um, So the fact that Ace directed her grandmother (laughs) to go visit her grandmother (laughs) <laughs> You're right. Uh, <laughs> that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Uh, now there's a whole cause and effect thing that it can kind of blow your mind, but that's kind of what Doctor Who does, right? So I, I think that was pretty cool. Um, and there was a story. Uh, there's a whole layer again. We talk layers, and, and again, credit to Nicole for mentioning how love played a part in this story, and definitely when you look at uh, the hatred that that uh, Ace had for her mother growing up and it comes back around. She, she's loving this little kid. So right. I thought that was pretty cool as well. 
Lee, what about you? Did anything about that ending really stand out to you? That dive into the water. <laughs> it's a yeah. it's a good professional launch. That's it's just. I mean, we're accustomed to thinking A's can do anything, but it's just like I, I watching it this time. I said, uh, "Stunt man, I got to go back and look at that." Nope, that's her. Yep, she's in some uh, water, like the shorts, like the kind of like the uh, like you wear. Uh, when you're diving, but she's in some yeah. shorts like that because I've seen the behind the scenes pictures. Yeah, and it was cold. So, yeah, it was really cold. She went in course. there. Yeah. <laughs> of course, that's that's a, a Doctor Who thing is to uh, inundate uh, companions in in freezing water. Of course, uh, yeah, something that seems to always happen. But um, yeah, um, when they did it to Lee's Jamison, of course, there's electrical cables on the floor. <laughs> right, <laughs> never quite understood that, but. Um, Anyway, yeah, I'm just so impressed by that dive. And, um, and you know, filming things underwater yes. is complicated and expensive. And we have several interesting shots in this episode uh, underwater. Yep. Uh, and, and it's just great to look up toward the sky and see Ace swimming over your head. It's just, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, and, 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 and very much the feeling that I feel like the episode wants. She's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. She's okay. Yeah, I learned recently. Actually, there's a there's a shot with uh, one of the Russian soldiers, and he's underwater, and he opens his eyes because he's like coming mm-hmm. back to life. And uh, I don't remember where I learned this, but apparently the only stuntman that could get in that day, I, I wish I could remember his name. I tried to look it up, but uh, is it was this black guy? They literally put white face on him. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, and now well, I can't unsee it. I'm just like, oh my God, that's right. It is. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, well, it makes me want to go see it again. <laughs> but you know, it just, it just reads as his, as his skin being, uh, yeah, decayed, decayed from being, yeah, it works perfect the yeah. way the makeup looks uh-huh. because they, they're all kind of screwed up <laughs> looking from being in the water anyway. But wow, there's, there's a, there's a, uh, a stuntman who's got a story to tell for the rest exactly. of us. Exactly. I know. I want to know. You're not going to believe this. Yeah. Jeez. Well, I absolutely want to know more. And what I want to know more is do either of you, or the three of you, not the either, the three of you, have any other topics that we have not discussed so far in our conversation? And Nicole, I will start with you. Oh, God. Um, other topics um from a casting perspective and i hadn't really thought of this but i was doing some reading about you know the behind the scenes stuff uh last night uh the actors most of the actors that play the russian soldiers are actually polish actors (laughs) so they were kind of like I'm feeling a little awkward about being raw, raw Soviet Union. And uh, I was like, oh, God, I never really thought about that. <laughs> it's like kind of, I mean, obviously they're doing their job. And, and I especially think the guy that played Soren was really good. But it's just funny that they're just kind of like, eh, it's a little uncomfortable that we're playing Russians. But um, and I loved also uh, Ace always has a girlfriend or boyfriend of the week. And Soren was Ace's little boyfriend this time. So awesome, Lee or Clarence. What about you guys? Nothing for me. Uh, same, you know. I, I I had read that uh, those are are Polish actors who are playing Russians, uh, largely just because we want that they can speak the language and they're 
their accents are authentic. It's really great. Right. Um, Nicole, you remind me that um, that's something that's always fascinated me about um, uh, many actors who fled Germany in the late 30s and um, or you know up into the 40s who came to America, came to Hollywood, and you know they were bilingual and they you know and how many of them ended up playing Nazis in the movies right. for years. And I've always, I've always thought. Well, that's got to be creep-tastic to put that uniform on and kick people around when when members of your family may be in the concentration camps right now. It's <laughs> yeah, it's literally so, why you left, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but uh, hey, it's a living, you know. Yeah, and and in a way, you're serving the cause by by playing the bad guys here. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I can't watch Casablanca without thinking about that. That. Uh, Major Strasser, he's one of those people who who got out just ahead of ahead of the SS. Yeah, and I think he played Nazi officers for the rest of his career. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it was really good. Um, but yeah, I, I I am interested in all of the the uh, the Viking things in this episode, and I wish there were more. Um, but I'm very interested, you know, in World War II in Europe. It's just something that I've always been focused on, and here we are. Finally, in the classic series, in World War II. Yeah. And this is the first time the series actually went there. And it ends up not being much about the war, really. It's, I mean, the war is obviously the framework and, you know, having the, um, the, the, it's not the Enigma. What do they call it? The Ultima? Yeah, the, the Ultima. Yeah, the Ultima yeah. machine. Yeah, it's clearly based on the Enigma. But, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, then we have uh, Russian soldiers, and there's talk about well, when they're not going to be our allies. You know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that, but it's just I don't know. I I wanted Nazis, <laughs> so we'll have to wait until the new series to to do that. Put Hitler in yeah. the cupboard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, I mean, in the original <laughs> writing, uh, Ian Briggs did want it to be like in the Blitz in London. And for some reason, yeah. I can't remember the details, but, but the BBC sort of pushed back against that. They thought maybe it was too dark. So they moved Ooh. it up north. And then um, you could kind of tie in the stuff with Whitby Bay, which is like where Bram Stoker had uh, Dracula arrive on the Victorian shores, so there was kind of the right. the tie-in with vampires and and that whole thing. Which, by the way, speaking of vampires, we have our plasmavore oh. in this, and we also yes, we have do. Janet Henfrey was in this, and she came back yep. in Mummy on the Orient Express. So we have two mm. new who do- uh, two new new who actors in the story. So mm-hmm. that's right. I was I was. Almost about to forget that. So thank yep. you. Yeah, we have we have hemovores in this one, and the actress who will later be the plasmovore. Right, yeah. exactly. And Smith Amazing. and Jones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yep. It's, and that's got to be delivered, right? You can <laughs> yeah. That when they were casting, <laughs> they said, "You know what would be funny is we could get somebody from Curse of Henry. That would be, yeah." Anyway. Which apparently in the novel or somewhere, uh, she was meant to be a secret uh, Soviet spy as well. But they right. kind of yeah. they kind of papered over that toward the end in the last edit. So, and it supports your idea that maybe there was just too much script, and so they had to start cutting things out. Because if I understand right, if she was going to be the Soviet spy, then that explains how the Soviets 
why the Russian soldiers are there at all. Right. Yeah, she's giving the information. In, in this particular place. Yeah. Yeah. So instead, it just happens without explanation. But that 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 was supposed to be why. Yeah. yeah. So that got cut. Yep. But you know what is not going to get cut? Our favorite quotes. And Clarence Brown, I want to start with you. Favorite quote. What was your favorite uh, quote? Mine is going to be when uh, Ace is talking to her grandmother and just that whole conversation. Uh, who Who's Frank, your boyfriend? No, my husband. Oh, I didn't know you were married. I've got a baby. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. She's from the 80s, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, look. Yeah, exactly. Look, I'm from 1980. I don't assume these things. I. Hmm. But speaking of not assuming, mm. I don't assume to know Lee Shackelford. What was your favorite quote? I'm torn. Uh, I do. They're both ace lines. I do love five seconds in your yesterday's breakfast sunshine. <laughs> um, no, sunbeam. Sunbeam. I'm sorry. Sunshine is Donna Noble. Yeah. Five seconds in your yesterday's breakfast sunbeam. I also love this. This is sexy. There's a wind whipping up. I can feel it through my clothes. <laughs> mm. Yeah, right that's good. Talking about sex yeah. and time travel. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Nicole, what say ye? So I'm quote. actually, I'm also torn between two as well. Uh, one is when Judson says, in the future, there'll be many more computing machines, thinking machines. And Millington says, yes, but whose thoughts will they think? And then uh, the other one is th at the very end, when Ace is like, oh, I still, like, I have hate for the, I love the baby, but I hate my mom. And and he says, love and hate, frightening feelings, especially when they're trapped struggling beneath the surface. But don't be frightened of the water. Mm -hmm. I like mm -hmm. that. Very wise indeed. So mine is a little more meta, but I will go with it anyway, which is I knew. I knew she carried the evil inside her. Do you think I'd have chosen a social misfit if I hadn't known? She couldn't even pass her chemistry exams at school, and yet she manages to create a time storm in her bedroom. I saw your hand in it from the very beginning. I, I like that because this felt to me like it was taking Doctor Who to another level. Yeah. You know, even though he was saying that for the story context, he wasn't quote unquote meaning it, he still had that thought in his head to be able yeah. to say it. So that was my favorite quote. But favorite scene, and I'll go back in reverse order. Favorite scene, I guess that means reverse order. I have <laughs> to say favorite scene first. <laughs> so that means I will say the scene at the end. I just liked the makeup. And him telling her, you know, I wasn't serious, et cetera. I had to break you. I really, really liked that yeah. moment. So that's my favorite scene. Nicole, what was Actually, yours? Actually, I, I hate to say it's my favorite, but my favorite is the scene where he breaks Ace's faith. It, it's, uh, it's one of the reasons I love the similar scene of Amy and the Eleventh Doctor and Amy's choice. Uh, just after Rory dies and she's like, what is the point of you? And it's just very raw scene of he does have to kind of hurt her and make her uh, lose her faith in him in the moment. But he can't say, hey, look, I'm trying to lose. <laughs> I have to do this to save us. So he goes like really cruel 
And it's it's so hard to watch. Like I cry, I cried rewatching it. I know it's coming. I start crying every time it starts. Um, but then at the end, you know, like Kyle said, it's so sweet when they make up and he does a little nose boop, which I love. And yeah. and it's mm-hmm. just it, you can tell he really cares about her, but he's also an alien. And I think that's also why I love Capaldi because Capaldi's like that too. The mask is gone. Like he is pure doctor in that moment, which is good and bad. Cool. You know, it's it's tricky. I love, even though you got to question the logic of it, and logical leaps are my big problem with this 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 trick. <laughs> but the Doctor and Ace are looking for this chess set. They find it; it's booby trapped. <laughs> Ace makes a remark. Well, if I was doing it, I'd put a bomb under the table. <laughs> and they look, and if there is indeed a bomb under the table. They have to go get the hell out of the building, dive into the sandbags, love it, and then plow. There's a lot of lot of explosions in this episode. Yeah. But, yeah. The Seventh Doctor is the one who always has an explosion going off right behind <laughs> Exactly. That's very common. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Clarence Brown. What I say think you? one of my favorite scenes is going to be when they were talking about how they were going to use the Ultima machine to let them decipher the code. And I guess it was love that they would decipher and that would set off the gas. I thought that was kind of cool. Even though treacherous, but cool. Awesome. All right. So, Nicole, I'm going to start with you on final rating. Final rating. What say you? Um, I will say five out of five burnt chess sets. (laughs) (laughs) Burning chess pieces. It was that or Wolves of Fenric, but that's that's too easy. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I love this story. I mean, I um, I watched half of it before I went to bed last night, and I almost stayed up longer than I should have to watch the rest. I was so hyped up watching it. And I'm like, I know this story. I've seen it a million times. But it was still um, – and actually, it had all the uh, the cliffhangers in it, which the, the special edition, you don't have cliffhangers because it's, it's one omnibus. But I was just all into it, you know, and I just – I don't know. I – I, as I said, I get something new out of it every time. Uh, the water stuff kind of affected me more with some of the, you know, mental health stuff that's going on in my life. And I was just like, oh, wow, this is just, it's a gift that keeps on giving. All right. So I'm going to keep on giving and I'm going to ask Lee Shackelford, final rating. Well, still not a fan, but I do think that uh, thanks to Nicole, I'm understanding it better than I, than I have. Yay! Uh, so. So I'm going to give it to two submerged Viking ships out of five. <laughs> okay. Clarence Brown, what say oh, you? Man. I'm going to give it 3.5 Ultima machines out of five. Um, and, and I just, I think I would have appreciated a whole lot more if Ace knew early on that was her grandmother. I, I, I think I would have liked the story a little bit better because then we could have had some awkward moments of, you know, Really? Yeah. I don't know what oh. about that. Just because cause it really just made me want to go back through the episode and scrub it. <laughs> we got that information. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh-huh. I don't know. 3.5. Oh, that's an interesting mm. idea, though. What? Huh. They're very interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like an alternate what if. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, we could marvel at that. But <laughs> what if? Um, but she would certainly, she would be so much more protective of. Yeah, that young woman and her baby. Yeah, but would she like send her her mother to where she needs to go? I mean, at that point, it's tricky. 
she could mess up her own timeline by yeah getting getting too involved. Yeah, that happens. Interesting. But does she, by the fact of realizing that she had a love for a child that becomes a woman that she quote unquote hates, mm-hmm. does that change her then as a person? Sure. Yeah. Possibly. Things are going forward. You know, Nicole, you you said something at the very beginning that really influenced my final vote here. And that is, this seems to be a story that needs a second watch or maybe even a third watch. Because I will be brutally honest, whenever I was watching it, I, like I said at the beginning, had so much difficulty keeping with the flow of the story. Now I'm actually inclined to want to go back to watch it again, to pick up on some of the things that you have educated us on. That being said, I'm going to give this (laughs) 2.75 potential ratings out of five that could become a three. Okay. How about that? Yeah. Maybe you could do like the edit where you just like just watch the Ace story and just watch the girls and just watch the breaking news. To, yeah, we'll just do like different edits. Yeah. <laughs> that way you just follow the each. There you go. Yeah, well, I mean you could you could do it. I mean just work it up in a video program. <laughs> there you go. You know, maybe in a future episode of discussing who, all of a sudden I'll break in and say. Um, Breaking news. I now change my review to a three or something. Who knows? But what I do know is, all jokes aside, this has been so much fun having you on once again. We need to make sure we don't wait another year to have you on again. Hopefully. (laughs) I do miss you guys. We miss you too. Well, you're not far from our thoughts. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong there. It's okay if you hate me. It's, nope. it's fine. Yeah, I was going to say, what are, what are we no supposed correct. to say to that? Well, Nicole is yeah, your mother. Like that, your right? mother, yeah. you hate. He missed. <laughs> <laughs> I love but the baby. One thing I, but one thing I did forget, I will say, is Clarence Brown, for someone listening that would like to find out more or subscribe, what would you yeah, tell you them? You can support the show by subscribing, which you can do on any of the podcasting platforms out there. Or if you want to send in feedback about this episode, tell us we're wrong <laughs> or anything else. You can send that to discussing who at gmail.com or at discussing who on any and all social medias. All right. And Lee Shackelford, if you have something that you like to always tell, what would that be? As always, I want to say that, uh, you know, we're aware that you got other things you could have been doing, but you chose to spend this time with the four of us. Thank you so very much for the gift of your time. And speaking of gift of time, I will give everyone back the gift of their time because I think it's time for me to say we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.